Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ultra 64. This is our special bonus episode brought to you by a couple of our Patreon supporters. My name is Steve Gunling. Hello. Coming to you live from Mama's Basement, this is Woody Siskowski. <laughs> we are joined once again by uh, two of our favorites, the hosts of The Simpsons Index, the hosts of Throne of Games, all the way from Australia. Uh, please welcome Elliot J. O'Neill and BT Calloway. Hello, guys. Hey, how are we doing? Coming at you from hell. <laughs> yep. It, it's hot <laughs> and the spiders are enormous. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I see you guys there on the camera. You guys have bare feet, and I am barely, like, I am shivering here in my apartment, so I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> I'm surrounded by feces. So either way, we're, we're okay. all, Steve, I've been meaning to talk situation. to you about that. You yeah. really got to clean up your office, man. It's... You know what? Stop trying to control me. Stop trying to let me live my poop-filled life. It's sure. pretty easy, Steve. Uh, all you need to do is just cry on it a bunch, and yeah. it just gets the feces right off. Just, just... Yeah. Oh, man. I've, 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 I've run out of tears. I've run out of tears. 2020, am I right? I can't even cry my own poop away. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, for that's people a who are, that was one of James Taylor's lesser-known hits. <laughs> cry, cry, cry my own poop away. Carol King wrote it for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for those who are deeply confused and put off by what we're talking about, uh, Elliot and BT are our superstar tier patrons over at patreon.com slash ultra64pod, which means that every couple months they get to jump on a show with us and talk about any game that they like, and the game that they chose this time was The Binding of Isaac. So I wanted to throw it over to you guys and ask, why did you want to talk about this weird little game about crying on poops? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I just have a deep love for this game. I like When the Nintendo Switch first came out, there weren't a lot of games out for it, and um, even at an $80 price tag in Australia, like... It was a bit expensive, but I was like, yeah, there's nothing much to play, and I like Super Meat Boy, and I yeah, find Ed McMillan a very interesting character person in video mm -hmm. games, so mm -hmm. uh, yeah, went in and bought it, and yeah, since then I've probably put about 170 hours into that game. Um, yeah, I, I just have a deep love for it, and yeah. Man, uh, I have an interesting kind of background with it, specifically because the difficulty of thinking. <laughs> my mother about... locked me in my basement when I was <laughs> yeah. six years old. And I had nothing <laughs> but games. Uh, no, as in, a difficulty that I think is going to come up in talking about this game is how many different versions there are and which ones you actually started yeah. on is going to yeah. be a big thing. Because I started way back on a physical disc copy, which you can see right here. Uh, not not oh. those of you at home, but this was just in uh, <laughs> EB Games, which is our version of uh, GameStop. And it was, I think it was about $7. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, this is an interesting cover art. I'll check that out. Hey, it's got a soundtrack and a poster. That's fun. And then got it home and was like, oh, wait, this is the guy who made Super Meat Boy. Okay, sick. And uh, mm -hmm. then, you know, yeah, 150 hours later. Yeah, because you uh, put about that time into Meat Boy as well, didn't you? Um, I don't know if it was that long I put into Meat Boy. That was all, that was more pain. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember yeah, that's, that. That's, that's sweat equity yeah. that you put into Meat Boy, yeah. I do remember um, there I was one night when I heard from the other room, Beach just go, damn it! And then the next morning I'm like, hey, are you okay? Is there anything you need to talk about? It's like, no, it's just playing Meat Boy. This is Meat Boy. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, I do want to talk real quick, like, because uh, you, you commented about all the different versions of mm, this game. I yeah. feel like that's an important thing to kind of get out of the way initially. Yeah. Because... This this game is really one that I feel like I've tried a couple times because it ticks a lot of the boxes of things I really enjoy in games. Mm -hmm. um, roguelike, twin stick shooter, even though it's sort of borderline twin stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But th I've tried to play it a couple times and it's never quite clicked for me. Mm -hmm. 
and I realized I was playing the original version, um, which feels a little uh, flash, flash animations, new groundsy, which yeah. it is. Yeah. It, yeah. That's which just it was. straight yeah, up what much, it is. Very um, and so that came out in like 2011, I think. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that game is pretty old at this point, the original version. And mm-hmm. eventually, like, that had multiple expansions and DLC packs. And then there was another thing called Rebirth. Yep which mm. is sort of the remake of the game, but it's a confusing remake because it looks almost the same. Like, it definitely <laughs> looks cleaner, but not in a super meaningful way. Mm. It's just built from a different game engine. Yeah. yeah. And then that got released on a bunch of other platforms. Um, and so mostly what you're probably going to end up playing now is Rebirth, that then has another DLC yeah. called Afterbirth. Um, and then which Afterbirth is, Plus, and yeah. then Repentance is supposed to come out sometime this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still going to happen mm-hmm. this year or not. Wow, yeah, they, wow, that's crazy that there's still new content for it, considering this game is almost 10 years old from the original version. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. There's been a lot of kind of iterative updates of it. This was a thing that started as sort of a side project for Edmund McMillan, and then it's basically kind of defined his career for the last 10 years. Uh, I definitely want to go into the history of this game a little bit because I feel like this is one... I I had a very interesting experience with this because I bought Afterbirth on Switch. Like you said, it was a launch title for the Switch when there weren't very many launch titles. And I'd heard this game was good. Mm -hmm. And I tried it and it was like, it was fine, but it wasn't really hooking me. I just feel like I didn't really get it. And then after doing all the research for this episode and like really kind of sitting down to like try and play a little bit uh, leading up to this... I've gotten super, super hooked on it. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think whatever whatever it is that needs to click with this game has finally clicked with me. I think maybe now I have the context for it mm-hmm. and I understand a little bit more of the mechanics. And like, I think I'm, I'm getting it and I'm having a hard time putting it down. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. Whatever it is that happened would happen. But let's let's jump in for a little bit of history. Uh, so the Binding of Isaac Rebirth, we'll, we'll use that as kind of the jumping off point. Uh, That was released November 4th, 2014. It was developed and published by Nicholas, and it was available on everything. Uh, You can (laughs) get it on everything right now. So let's talk a little bit about Edmund McMillan. Um, So this is the brainchild of of him. He's earned a a kind of a prolific cult following Mm. in the early days of Newgrounds because he was kind of one of their more... uh, uh, well, prolific developers. He made games like the Dead Baby series and the Blood Car games. And this is just a daily reminder that Newgrounds was gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Let, let's take a pause here, real quick. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, did you was Newgrounds a part of your guys' growing up? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, it. Yeah. Go ahead. Especially like um, around the age where we would have been, I don't know, twelve to fourteen, and mm. you know, don't have a lot of money. Like these flash games, you know, was what you'd get for new games while you're waiting yeah save up if you could dollars. find a good one it could really it was you know it could take it a lot of time and, yeah. Uh, yeah and then all the goofy animations and all the rest of the disgusting stuff yeah and especially and i think this game what this does as well and probably any egg mcmillan thing is really taps into that part of my brain that still exists that was that 12 to 14 year old boy that liked gross out mm-hmm. humor and you know could get yeah. behind a game like cunt <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. I don't know, that's that's a weird thing because to me, Newgrounds, like, it was definitely something that um, I remember growing up, but it's like, it feels, I'm almost embarrassed by it now. Like, similar bit. to the same way, like, watching early your South Parks, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember all this stuff. And it just feels like sort of 
a weird remnant of mm. the late 90s where the goal is just to shock and be gross. Um, and I've and so but I do see the value in it. It's just kind of like a hard thing for me to be comfortable with at this time. Yeah, it's one of those things. You, uh, I think that's you have to just oh, kind of shake your walking stick at the kids and be like, no, you don't understand. This is all we had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I I agree. I think and I think that's why I had a little trouble getting on board with Isaac, because like it it does at first glance, it's very like kind of new grounds, edgelordy kind of humor yeah. that I'm. Yeah, like you said, we're very much embarrassed about it. And you kind of look back. It's like, shit, I, I let this kind of humor define a lot of my personality for a long time. And that's a little unfortunate. But like, I, I think Isaac is working on a little bit of a different level, which we'll get to. Um, a little bit more about Ed McMillan. Uh, in 2010, he and programmer Tommy Rafines, under the name of Team Meat, they released the game Super Meat Boy mm -hmm. on Xbox Live Arcade, which is a really elegant, really punishing, really addictive yeah. platformer game. Uh, like single screen platformer where you have to be extremely precise in your jumps. Um, and it was kind of a surprising smash hit. Uh, by 2012, it had sold more than a million units. It became one of Xbox Live Arcade's like signature titles. And, and I actually think a really... it's, yeah, it's oh, yeah. worth, I mean, that was essentially the game, part of that and like Braid, were mm -hmm. essentially the games that yeah. are like, okay, indie gaming is a real thing. Like now that Xbox and these companies have a way to distribute these smaller games that they can sell, you know, for 10, 15 bucks, um, what are going to be these games that sort of cross over Mm. into that main the mainstream and like i feel like meat boy sort of signaled that this was going to be a thing and meat boy oh, was yeah, sort of yeah, part of this 2d platformer revival wasn't it would, would you say yeah. it was on like the ground floor of the revival or i mean yeah, yeah roughly, i mean I, right. I would i would say we wouldn't have like the new side-scrolling rayman games mm. without meat boy mm. or like or like games like celeste you know like things that yeah kind of kind of uh, quick bite super punishing platforming games it's it's a it's a new kind of subgenre that i've really gotten to enjoy you know even when you're tearing your hair out yeah like it, it's uh well it's maddening but yeah. it, it's a really good game well like you bring up celeste and i think what super meat boy did right was yeah i mean really beautifully uh executed physics but also the quick reset i think yeah. is so integral yeah if you had to wait yes a second longer for that reload it would not be it would not work yeah really oh, it totally into the just one more yeah, like, no i can do this come on I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Indie Game, the movie. Mm. It came out a couple years ago. It's a very cool documentary, and a lot of it follows Ed McMillan and Tommy Refens as they are they're on the eve of Super Meat Boy launching for the first time. So you get to see all that anxiety and all that, like, we, and then all the joy when, like, it releases, and it's like, holy shit, 140,000 units in, like, the first week. Like, mm. that's crazy. Like, so it, it, it was, it's a very cool movie if you want to check it out and get a good like cross-section of what the indie gaming scene looked like in the beginning. Yeah, totally. Uh, so Ed McMillan left Team Meat in 2014, uh, shortly before the company announced a follow-up called Super Meat Boy Forever, which still has not been released. Mm. Why does uh, anyone the give their game that... the suffix forever? It's clearly a curse. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. I, I mean, I, the, the rumor is that Ed McMillan really didn't want to do a sequel. He kind of felt like they they did hmm. they did it right the first time and he didn't want to dilute the brand so i don't think it was like an acrimonious split hmm. necessarily but i think he's just like nah i don't want to do a sequel i'm going to do my own thing 
And so pretty much the first thing he started working on uh, was The Binding of Isaac. And then he did one other game called The End is Nigh, which I know almost nothing about. Um, I know that did get a Switch release as well. I'm just remembering I, I downloaded it with the intent of playing it for this, and I just <laughs> fucking forgot. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. That Now you have something for later. Yeah, Yay. yeah. So uh, with the success of Meat Boy kind of uh, emboldened McMillan a little bit, and he wanted his next project to kind of push boundaries a little bit, both personally and professionally. So he wanted to use the story of Isaac from the Bible. You know, the, the very loose story of Isaac is that uh, God tells Abraham to uh, uh, kill his son Isaac to appease him. Abraham doesn't do it. He kills a ram instead, invokes all kinds of wrath. It's, so this is kind of a loose interpretation of that story. But Macmillan grew up in kind of a fundamentalist Christian household, and he has a lot of conflicting feelings about religion. You know, he can he's seen the good it can do, and he's also seen how it can really kind of torture people. And so that's kind of where he wanted to jump off. So the title was initially developed during a week-long Game Jam development yeah. contest. Uh, Tommy Refens was on vacation during this time, so Macmillan paired up with uh, a program named Florian Himsel, and they wanted to make a game that combined roguelike elements with Zelda dungeon style. And uh, this was kind of the end result. So the game first kind of started getting noticed on uh, uh, YouTube because of like Let's Play. And I think this is a little bit before Twitch was mm, even a yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, but it did become very popular on Twitch as well. Yeah, so people were watching these Let's Plays and like, what is this weird, gross game? It seems kind of addictive. Then it became a surprise hit when it released on Steam and Newgrounds in late 2011. And it developed like a pretty obsessive fan community from the get-go because this is a game that's just kind of riddled with secrets. Oh, yeah. It seems a little impenetrable at, a at times, but it's also a Twitch shooter that is very addictive and like requires skill and requires like timing and patience. Um, well, yeah, I want to talk about um, the roguelike genre a little bit because I would say over maybe the last five years, just whatever the modern age of me gaming like, roguelike has been the genre that I have had the most consistent fun with. It's the games that I get engaged with the most. Um, you could almost say Woody Like. Yeah, exactly. Woody Like, yeah. roguelike. Um, <laughs> and this one sort of set up the modern template for what, like, these loot-based roguelikes are like. Because sort of the, I would say the defining game of the modern roguelike is Spelunky, mm -hmm. which came out yeah. a few years before this, but it is of a different kind of game because it's not... It's not really loot-based. It's more of just sort of getting skill better at the game. But this, like Binding of Isaac, is very much each run you're going to pick up a different combination yeah. of items and you're going to learn what each thing does. And it's sort of the way those items work together is what makes the game addictive. Yeah, um, and and that's, you kind of see the you see the footprints in uh, one of this year's best games, Hades, mm -hmm. uh, which which very much kind of takes the Binding of Isaac formula towards a roguelike approach, yeah. Well, I would say most good roguelikes do. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, well, Hades was on the shortlist for me for uh, doing this today, but I was like, you know, because it's a fairly new game, there's not much of a history built in with it yet, mm. um, but uh, by virtue of talking about Binding of Isaac, I think we will end up discussing <laughs> Hades quite a bit. Uh, because oh, yeah, absolutely. I think actually a few things that... Um, people are put off by Binding of Isaac, I think Hades does correct mm. uh, um, and does a lot better. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think Hades is a much more forgiving version because, you know, in Hades yeah. it'll be like, hey, you found a secret room. Oh, you got a bit hurt. Well, you can have some health back. Whereas Isaac, it's like, oh, you have three hearts, you've taken two hits and fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
Honestly, like, I think the biggest hurdle to me enjoying this game doesn't have very much to do with this game in particular. Mm -hmm. I think what it, my biggest obstacle to this game is I played the game Enter the Gungeon before uh, this yeah. game. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Enter the Gungeon is very much, hey, we taken Binding of Isaac and fixed everything wrong with it <laughs> and made essentially a perfect version of it. And so I have put, you know, 200 hours into Enter the Gungeon on the various systems. And to me, it just feels like such a much more smooth and fast version mm. compared to Binding of Isaac, even though, like, the bones are very much just pulled from Binding of Isaac. Yeah, especially if you're playing the Flash mm. version, because uh, that's yeah. what I yeah. started on. on my uh, physical copy is the Unholy Edition, which is uh, the base game Isaac and then Wrath of the Lamb DLC. Mm -hmm. And that was mm. the old Flash version. And when I saw Elliot playing it, and I'm like, what is all this stuff with all these different shaped rooms and, and <laughs> not 8-bit music? What are you doing? What is yeah. this? Oh, this isn't, this is a Dizak. But then I got into that as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we should highlight like what the differences are between the regular and then the Rebirth version. Mm -hmm. So R Rebirth was pretty much a complete overhaul of the original game. So the Flash version ran at a low frame rate. It didn't offer controller support. And there was really only so much you can do with Flash. Mm -hmm. So uh, they went to, uh, McMillan went to the publisher Nicholas, which is N-I-C-A-L-I-S. Apparently that's how it's pronounced. I've been saying it, Nicholas or something. <laughs> like that, yeah. Uh, but they built an entirely new engine from scratch to allow for more fast-paced action and dozens of effects on the screen at any given time. Mm -hmm. The music was over, was redone. The graphics were redone. Uh, now it's like pixel art instead of like the Flash style, so it just has a little bit more shading and a little bit more color. Uh, most versions of the game will let you switch off that filter to like play it in the original format if you prefer. Uh, the new version also added dozens of new items, new enemies, new bosses, mm -hmm. new playable characters that you could unlock. Mm -hmm. It added challenge modes. It added new dungeon designs. Um, and they de the developers removed some of the random effects. Occasionally, they'll let you choose between one of two different power-ups. So you have a little bit more control over your build, which I think was one of the big complaints early on. Yeah. Just that your build is is kind of luck of the draw you know yeah well I, um, i've been doing yeah so many runs this week and like i remembered my deep hatred for any time you pick up a charge shot pickup because oh, yeah. i feel like that just absolutely messes with the pacing that especially i originally love about the game mm. i keep getting the the whiz eyes that oh. like make you shoot like kind of in a triangular shape like so you're always having to adjust then, yourself at least yeah. it's temporary. and that also like at least that one's temporary. it's temporary well, that's yeah, a general I, weird thing about the way that this game is designed. So I would say, like, as a whole, Rebirth just makes the thing feel a lot smoother and a lot tighter. Hmm. But, like, you, you, your basic moves is, like, your top down, your left stick moves Isaac around, your right stick or your right face buttons shoot in different directions. Crying. But you only have a four-way <laughs> shot, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's basically, like, early gauntlet or something, except <laughs> you can kind of curve your shots if you yeah. move while you're shooting. I got good at trick but, shots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing yeah you're not this isn't twin stick shooter in the sense of like robotron where you have like a full 360 degree mm. movement it is cardinal directions only but you're also in a small enough space that you can kind of work with that um but it, it still works so i mean they and we kept like we said we kept getting iterative updates of the game mm -hmm. so rebirth was followed by afterbirth which was followed by afterbirth plus which is going to be followed by repentance shortly 
As it stands right now, there are more than 11,000 possible dungeon configurations. There are 600 <laughs> unique items. There are 180 different monsters. There are nearly 100 bosses. And there are 20 possible endings that you can get in Binding of Isaac. And that's before Repentance comes yeah. out. That's probably going to be in increased a great deal. <laughs> Repentance, right now, it's slated for a release on December 31st of this year. That's also kind of the... I find like when they don't have a real release date, they say December thirty first of any given year. Yeah, like, yeah. Sure. all. So like I don't think it's actually going to come out that day. Hmm. There have been some internal struggles at Nicholas, from what I understand. McMillan cut ties with the company uh, because they were receiving some bad press, actually from the Enter the Gungeon guys. They were supposed to work with them, and then I guess they have a habit. Like the executives at Nicholas have a habit of like. Uh, just ditching, just like ghosting on people, <laughs> like instead of like committing to a deal. So like, apparently they were supposed to work on something with the Enter the Gungeon guys, and uh, they just stopped answering emails or <laughs> or and started blocking their phone calls. What? And then some other stuff came out about the founder of Nicholas like saying some racist stuff and kind of forcing his employees to drink at parties and doing stuff like that. So McMillan cut ties with them. Uh, I think they are still slated to publish it, but I think they've had some internal struggles going on. So uh, we'll see if that one comes out. But speaking of controversy, uh, <laughs> I don't think it gets brought up enough that The Binding of Isaac is the single darkest premise for a game <laughs> in human history. Mm. Like, I don't think there is a darker premise than an abused young boy being chased and threatened by his mother. Like, that's the premise for your goofy little shooter game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still have trouble wrapping and, my uh, head around And depending it. on your interpretation of the plot, is either hallucinating to death in his toy chest or is actually in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to interpret it, and I think that's why fans have kind of stuck with it. But yeah, we get a little opening animation where we learn that uh, Isaac and his mother, they're living fairly happily. She's kind of a religious nut and is watching like her Christian TV shows all the time. But they're happy and she mm -hmm. loves her son. Then she gets a vision from God who tells her that she needs to purge the sin out of her little boy by murdering him. So she starts chasing him with a knife. He escapes into a little uh, crawl space in his room. And now he is like exploring this labyrinthine, never-ending series of dungeons underneath his house that seem to be filled with all kinds of mutated... My interpretation is that all the monsters in this are kind of like the versions of him that have died yeah. in mm. the basement. Yeah. And like he he dies and then it just like produces another horrific monster because they all look kind of humanoid. Yeah, well, um, I mean, depending on how deep you go into the bosses, you do eventually face off against uh, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> and also... Oh, do you really? Yeah, and Blue Baby, who is uh, presumably a suffocated Isaac. Yeah, and then you okay. can unlock Blue Baby as a character who only has those grey hearts, which are temporary, and that's a frightening run. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, so I, let, no, let's yeah, pause I, a little I, bit here. Um, I just There's very few games that, like, deal with religion as a major topic. Like, mm, they might yeah, deal yeah. with, like, oh, we're going to have angels or devils in our game, but, like, this is a game that essentially, like, is kicked off by somebody watching, quote-unquote, Christian broadcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Which I that immediately kind of turned me off as like, okay, this seems like you're taking sort of easy, cheap pot shots at religion to mm. make like this weird story. But then I remembered that like, oh, Isaac is a real story in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. this is very much based on an actual, you know, famous biblical story, even though it's from like angry god old testament mm -hmm. um, and I I think that's why like so initially I struggled with this game just because like 
that is such an off-putting premise. Like, yeah. you are a naked little boy fighting shit with your tears. Yeah. Tears <laughs> generated from abuse. Yep. Like, that is a really dark place to start your game from and you feel i wasn't like, sure what to make of it you feel like on the design spreadsheet you like you start with like major themes right and so you're ed mcmillan and you're like okay what are the major themes of this game and he's got like the top of a sheet and he's like okay poop yep and abortion <laughs> yeah. and you're poop like and well crime. yeah great I, I that's a game i, mean, I want to play <laughs> if he wanted to challenge himself he did it and i think uh, the more I've dug into it and when I realized that, like, McMillan is kind of wrestling with his own uh, feelings about religion and, like, you know, the it, it's got... I, I had initially had just kind of dismissed this as just, like, oh, just another shocking, gross-out thing from the Lord. new parents guy. Yeah. But I don't think it's as simple as that. I think he is definitely, you know... I, I think the the scatological thing is just kind of part of his brand. It's mm. been there in all of his games, you know? Like, even Meat Boy is just, you're leaving trails of gore everywhere. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's part of who, like, of what his style is. But I think there's something a little more thoughtful going on underneath the surface, as extreme as it looks. Mm. Like, I think that's why you can't just, like, dismiss it as gross-out humor, because there's something going on here underneath it. Like, I think there's something heartfelt about the game. Well, I think that he's probably the most successful of any of those Newgrounds guys, I think, kind of speaks volumes, because I think, yeah, a lot of those guys would have dropped off being, yeah, those, like, yeah, edgelord types. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, this this isn't, like hatred or mm. like the JFK assassin simulator or whatever, yeah. whatever the fuck like used to pop up on new grounds and steam all the time. Like this isn't just trying to shock you. I think, yeah, I think the, the extremity of the situation is kind of meant to make a point. Yeah. There's themes underneath what's going on. I think. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's just, what's generally tricky about this game in general though, is I think that this is just, this is mostly like a game about abuse and like whether or not, I, the things going on in the game are taking place in Isaac's head, which seems like the most logical explanation. It's sort of his way of dealing with all this abuse and like sort of the graphical style is his sort of childish manifestation of all these, you know, mm -hmm. shitty things happening to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact is like it's still like a w cartoony looking game. Yeah. And it's, I guess the part that's hard for me is it does sort of feel like you're just trying to have it both ways in terms of like, we're dealing with these serious themes of abuse and like, you know, brainwashing and, you know, and, but also like you're, you're picking up your mom's bra as a weapon. Yeah. Like, right. You know, I mean? there's just a lot of kind of yeah. throwaway jokes and this weird cartoony graphical style that it, it, it I, it, I mean, it kind of works and it does kind of come together, but it, it is just a weird sort of off-putting thing that when you really slow down and think of it, think yeah. about it when you're not being very engaged, you know, if you're not sort of in the zone of the gameplay and you just slow down and think about it, you're like, wow, this is some weird stuff going on. Yeah, I think the graphical style I, I, heaps, he, uh, helps soften that blow a little bit because uh, my edition also came with a poster and it's like a photorealistic baby being chased by a maggot demon. And it's oh. it's cool, but it looks like something out of Herodimus Bosch or something like that. It's <laughs> if, the, if that was yeah. the graphical style style of the game, you'd be like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. I, I, that whole sixteen bit style, and especially yeah, the version I'm more familiar with, um, not being the Flash version. Like, I think it gets to be a comedy game at times as well yeah, because mm -hmm. of that. It does, and I think yeah. that's what helps it be so replayable. Mm -hmm. I think that if it was dark and sort of more thoroughly unpleasant to look at, mm. um, it would be probably a more emotionally resonant game. 
Yeah. But that's mm. it would be sort of less addictive and fun. Yeah, but this yeah. is this well, is the one that's got a... um you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse are riding little toy hobby horses. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and there's like a tradition of this, right? Like like this is this is Edward Gorey. This is Tim Burton. Mm. This is kind of like shooting childish things like through a childish aesthetic, but with like a real undertone of darkness because like. When you're a kid, things are scary. Things are overwhelming, you know? And and I think when you're in a situation like Isaac is in in this game, like, things are especially scary and overwhelming. And this is kind of a graphical representation of all of it. Like, I'm not going to be upset with people if they are off-put by this game, because mm. I get it. Like, I, I'm off-put by it, too. Yeah. And so were a lot of religious organizations. They were trying to get this game banned. Yep. There's even some controversy from some people, like uh, some some disability advocates, Um I've seen this kind of come up a lot. Some of the characters have like cleft palettes mm. and that seems to be kind of a go-to for game designers to like, oh, look at this freakish deformity. Right. But it's, it's like, it's it's just a real thing that people have. It doesn't make them like freakish. So mm. like it, it's, you know, there's, there's, it's not all like sensitive and above board. So I think that's, I think that's where the conflict. No, it's not. Because, I don't think like, it's at all sensitive. <laughs> no, like I, I like, while I think there is something going on and while I think thematically it makes sense, like there is, there is still that like taint of edgelordiness mm. to the story. No. Like it's, it's, you have to kind of wrestle with both of those things when you're playing this game. No, it is a bit yeah, um, off putting when, yeah, one of the bosses, yeah, that does have a prominent cleft palate is called Monstro. That's, yeah, that's a bit rough. <laughs> Right, yeah. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay here. We've we've gone into it a bit. So on, on a very core level, for people who don't know, this is a roguelike game with a randomly generated dungeon, and you, uh, you are a naked little boy walking around firing tears from your eyes to fight these different monsters. Mm -hmm. As you explore the dungeons, you're going to pick up more items, uh, power-ups, and different things like that to uh, strengthen your abilities to make your way through the dungeon. Uh, you have to go through, like five levels to begin with to fight the first boss mm -hmm. and then the next run it's going to be like six levels so like if you if you beat those first five levels you get one ending yeah and then each time you try it again it'll add another level to the dungeon and it'll have a different ending um uh, so like a lot of the a, a lot of the power and like the replayability of this game comes from the items mm -hmm. and i think the best and also most frustrating thing about this game is that it's not going to tell you what these items do. No. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you're going to have to jump in and just kind of fiddle around with them. And not all the items you get are going to be beneficial. Some of them are really going to fuck you up. Yep. So you're going to need to find, like, a nice balance. And eventually, as you play through the game and you start kind of building a repertoire of items and understanding what things do, you'll know which ones to avoid and which ones to grab and which ones not to grab and things like that. So you just kind of need to dive in and figure it out. Yeah, well, well I was listening like to a podcast yeah. recently with, um, it's called the Humans Who Make Games podcast, um, hosted by Adam Conover, uh, does Adam Ruins Everything. And oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, on the first episode, they had Ed McMillan, and he said, yeah, um, uh, aside from like Legend of Zelda, uh, Magic the Gathering was a big oh, okay. inspiration for this, just because of like deck stacking and power. Um, like consideration and all that, and like while it isn't the same way you like you you consider your loadout before you go into a game, mm. like memorizing the shapes and what they do and stuff is yeah a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think roguelikes essentially um, you get better at roguelikes in two ways. You get like physically better at playing the game and more responsive to the attacks that come at you, but it's also based very much around how having an understanding of how these random procedural levels work yeah. mm -hmm. and you have to be like okay 
what what items are going to spawn on this level yeah. and do i want to keep exploring the level after i beat the boss because i know there's going to be more items or do i just want to get through it as fast as possible it's like a risk versus reward mm. understanding and yeah. i feel yeah. like i'm not crazy about the way this game um I'm okay with it not telling you what items do initially, yeah. but I don't like the way that there's no sort of in-game database that explains what things were once you've gotten them. Yeah, like yeah, I'm all for like Af Afterbirth yeah, has that now. Oh, okay. But like, does uh, it tell you what they do, or does it just show sort of a picture of like stuff I found? I think I think it tells you what it does. Like you you have to go back to the main menu. I think I need I'll double check that, but I, I think you can like double check and like. Uh, you, you kind of build a list out as yeah. you discover. I think okay, okay. I think that's really the... At least that happens with the pills. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's really the mixed blessing of these uh, constant updates. Because on the one hand, the game got supported for years and years and years, and more and more updates, and so it got bigger and bigger. And even if you'd played from the very beginning, there was always more to play. But yeah. then that means there is now such a huge wall for entry. Like, there was a point where I was playing uh, Afterbirth, and I'm like, okay, well, you've got pills, you've got cards, you've got tarot cards, you've got uh, trinkets, you've got items... <clears throat> What the fuck do any of these things do? I remember what the stuff from the Flash game does, but if it's not part of the first 300 items, I have no idea anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I've like... Yeah, that's the thing. I've built sort of oh, a memory ahead. for what, like, the pills and cards do, but, like, most of the trinkets that, like, appear on the bottom left yeah. of the screen... As you gotta about, check that I have out. no idea What's what the thing, doing. Pills used... I don't know if they still are, but pills used to randomize each time. Yeah, they No, do. they do. They okay. still do that. Each okay. run, the, like, blue pill will always do the same thing through the run, but what it does changes change, yeah. every you time you restart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so and like some of the trinkets, the trinkets are adding like passive effects too. So like you can't really control what they're doing, and once you pick one up, you're kind of stuck with it until you find another one. Yeah, you know. But you can build some pretty impressive stuff. Oh, yeah. Like you start as a naked crying little boy, <laughs> and you could turn into like a flying ninja with demon horns who can like shoot like bullet hell like style rings around yep. you like I, I love the way each uh usually each of your passive power-ups that sort of uh increases your shot or something will also make a little visual alteration to yeah, isaac yeah, yeah. yeah be it like yeah. giving him a horn or wings um and you you end up looking very bizarre by the end of just an amalgam of all these different things i think mm. that's a very fun aspect Mm. Yeah, because they stack, too. And a lot of the items and something that each version of the game has kind of expanded on is a lot of the items interact with each other mm. and synergize in different ways. So, like, if you pick up, like, a certain trinket with a certain weapon, it'll do something completely different than if you were to pick them up separately, you know? So that's kind of the fun of it as well. Mm. Like, it really does feel like every time you're playing this game, it's going to be a totally different experience, and you can't really be entirely sure of what to expect. Yeah, um, and like which, I was saying... Which is really cool. And yeah, like I was saying before, with the charge shots, like, for me, that's just like, oh, do I want to reset this run? But, like, you stack it with enough good things, or if you get, like, some buddies or stuff, it can yeah. work. Yeah, that's my other favorite thing, is when you get companions and you just start a conga line of weird <laughs> freaks following you around, like, yes, floating ghost babies I loved and it. cubes of meat. And <laughs> I Yeah, I had I had a cube of meat. The last time I was playing, I had a cube of meat on my head, I had a revenge fly following me around, and then I had three little spiders that were just, like, ganging up on everything. So, like, I could just kind of walk into a room and stand still and just let my buddies take care of everything Lie, for my me. Pretty. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I don't know what what's the uh, what are what are your guys' runs on this? Like, what's your I'm I'm famously terrible at roguelikes. Uh, 
I've always been very bad at them. Even like, I don't know, I think it's just ADD or whatever, but like, <laughs> I'm just not very good at them. I, I only just recently beat Megara in uh, Hades after playing like forever and ever and she's like the first boss. Um, so I don't know. Wow, how, how, you do how do you guys fare in this? <laughs> like, I, I'm really bad. That's... I'm telling you. I'm really bad at these. Uh, what, what, where, how far have you guys gotten in this? Um, I've slayed Mega Satan. And in researching Oops. this episode, I found out they've added a new boss, and I'm just like, I couldn't, I'm not going back. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'd have to start over again. My save files were on two laptops ago. I, I can't do this again. <laughs> yeah, um, so, like, I hadn't played it for a while before doing this, and I've probably, yeah, put in another 20 hours in the last uh, two weeks or whatever, and I discovered new bosses before mm -hmm. the best I did was Mum's nice. Heart, and now I'm like... I went up to BT and I was like, did you know there's a Satan in this game? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. also a Mega Satan. <laughs> Satan was the first boss yeah. of the Flash game, man. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, I did actually find uh, a flowchart. So for anyone out there wondering how you d like get to the final, final boss, or what was the final boss of the uh, game, you have to <clears throat> defeat Mom, then defeat Mom's heart, or slash it lives, then go to either Sheol or the Cathedral and defeat either Satan or Isaac, then, go, then find the Polaroid, then go to the chest slash dark room, then have two pieces, two halves of one key together, which you get by fighting angels. Then you can open the door and finally fight Mega Satan. <laughs> this is like, I mean, some like your Jet Force Gemini shit. Yeah. Like, this is like so much like back, like end game stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. like oh, any yeah. good uh, loot rogue, like half of the game is in the game and the other half is in the wiki. Yeah. You're definitely like <laughs> jumping back and forth between these two things. Um, I, sure. I haven't. I randomly had Rebirth on my 3DS, so that's how I've been playing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've just been playing a few days, and I beat I beat Mom like the first the first version of that, but that's as mm -hmm. far as I've gone so far. Um, but I okay, definitely so we're, we're at the same level. Found myself more engaged by this game than I have been in the past. It's just that wall of I could be playing Enter the Gungeon that's hard <laughs> because yeah, they're sure. so similar, but I, uh, I different no, enough for me to care. I had no idea it was on 3DS. It, does it have 3D effects? Slower. No, it does not have 3D effects, but... Um, it's like the poop Steve, is coming know, right at you. <laughs> yeah. Steve and I are... Uh, we're obsessed with that nub, that 3DS nub. Mm, um, we love so that nub. Nubwatch 2020. This <laughs> game has quality nub support. Nice. Um, of being able to use it to uh, to shoot mm. um, by... Because you barely have to move your thumb to push it in different directions. So you can very lazily play this game on 3DS <laughs> in your bed. Man, that sounds great, actually. Yeah. Though I, it does not have... Yeah, it does not have the same updates or content as the Switch version, mm. which does seem like the definitive version. But the fact that the Switch version is $40 is crazy to me. Like yeah. I'm That not was saying... a sticking point for a lot of people. I remember that, mm. yeah. Yeah, like this is game... I'm not saying that the amount of content here isn't worth it, as this game does have a absurd amount of content. But yep. most games that look like this and sort of have this indie design status are like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah, and it's not yeah. Again, I feel like... And... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Enter the Gungeon has a pretty comparable amount of content. That game was $15 at launch. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and that was a sticking point for a lot of people. I remember that was uh, kind of a controversial price point when that game came out. For me, I had never played this series before, so I, I just kind of bought it. I'm just like, you know, all right, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see what this does. And You're, you're like um, the Monopoly guy. You're like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll buy Marvin Gardens. Why not? You're just sure, driving yeah, yeah, around you know, in your little here. car with your little terrier behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a thimble. Uh, people should know that. Like, I am actually a physical thimble. I was going to ask about uh, that, but it felt rude. Mm. No, no, yeah, it's okay. I'm pretty comfortable yeah. with it at this point. <laughs> You're yeah, just like, yeah. so what? 
Uh, you can't just say that to a thimble, man. <laughs> you just got canceled. It's well racist, done. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've really been enjoying like revisiting this game and kind of trying to dig in and find all the little different secrets. You know, like yeah, I, I'm at the same point. I was able to beat the first level, like the first like five series of five dungeons. You know, and. Uh, I think things definitely open up and get a little easier once you start unlocking characters because they come with certain like benefits like built in. So like I I've been doing very well playing as Magdalene, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. even though like uh, Isaac I was struggling with because he kind of starts with low stats and Magdalene starts with some extra boosts and yeah. like different luck filters and she starts with a regenerating heart, you know. So uh, it's it's a little easier to start off, mm-hmm. but like. It it is pretty fun to see what kind of insane things that uh, uh, you can equip yourself with. Like, I I found the big giant like laser visor thing that shoots a giant yeah. red ball of like destruction everywhere. The technology like, pickup. Yeah. Okay. This is rad. Like I I enjoy like firing this thing around like while I've got my little demon wings and flying over mm-hmm. everything. And, you know, I, I, there is some interesting like risk and reward kind of elements to it. Like there are those little spiky doors that yeah. you have to walk through that are gonna like hurt you but there might be a really good treasure the back there rooms. but there might also be just like yeah. two spiders <laughs> yeah so they, i don't know they, there's a lot of interesting th- so you have kind of a good you know generally what you're going to find on each floor there's going to be like a gold room with a power up mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a room with a store there's going to be a room with like a, a spiky room things like that and then there's going to be a, a different boss that you have to fight for each level you know and i've gotten pretty good at those basic like mini bosses, you know mm-hmm. your your Larry Juniors, your Monstros, <laughs> your uh, your various different uh, uh, seven deadly sins that appear throughout the yep. dungeons, you know. But there's definitely a sense of mystery about this game, mm-hmm. and I think McMillan has been doing a really good job of supporting that and building that up. He hides so much shit in this game, <laughs> and and you're never gonna know what you're gonna find. And like you said, like like BT was saying, like you have all these different like byzantine sort of uh item combinations that you need to put together in order to solve the ultimate mysteries of this game this is the kind of thing that like nerds really get obsessed with really dig their teeth into and like can uh yeah exactly so like like what he said like half of it lives in the wiki you know yeah and i will sort of concede um and what the most frustrating part about this game is for me and for like a few people that i've showed it to is that it does feel like you totally reset to zero once. Uh, mm. You die and you have to start your run again. You are just back to base level character. And it's yeah. what's good about having the extra characters is that can introduce some variety. But yeah, at its core, you just become Isaac again. You've got those tears that feel yep. so slow. You're nothing but a naked crying baby. Yeah. And <laughs> it does take you until probably the uh, second or third floor before you feel like... Um, you're adequate to face off against a lot of these enemies. Unless you pick up the mm-hmm. bombs pickup, which turns all your tears into bombs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, you're know, you going to be shooting a lot of turds as well. I guess that's something we really need to, uh, to, to warn people about if you're opposed to the scatological humor. There's just a whole lot of shit and flies, and like, <laughs> it looks gross, it looks grimy, but weirdly, I don't know. Like, It's still cartoon. For as though. off-putting as it is, it is a game that you can sink hours and hours and hours into. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I find my appreciation of it is like increasing the more I play mm. and the more mm-hmm. I kind of like make myself figure out the different mechanics of it. Well, yeah, what I wanted I mean, to I... ask you, Woody, is because like you're saying mm-hmm. you played a lot of road, roguelikes and s- stuff, uh, and this yeah. one hasn't exactly clicked with you. Like, Do you find other roguelikes uh, 
are better at resetting to zero, like uh, restarting yes. your guns and that? And I, I think the reason... I don't mind them restarting to zero, but I think that the main reason for that is I don't think Isaac is a very fun character to control. Mm. Um, like, And so when you get reset to zero, similar to like maybe a Gradius game for NES or something, you feel so weak. Yeah. Mm. In a game like, um, let's say, Dead Cells mm. um, or Risk of Rain, which are uh, two, two uh, roguelites I've enjoyed a lot, you start with a bunch of skills, you mm. move very fast, you're very agile, even though you're not really at a high level of power. Whereas at the start of Binding of Isaac, when you die, you just feel very slow and clunky, yeah. and it's just not as satisfying. No, um, I agree with and that. And I think, I think that, that that is kind of the thing. Like, I really love all of the extra stuff in this game, and I think, I mean, it is worth noting, this game essentially, this game essentially set the template for what the loot-based roguelike game is, which oh, yeah. has randomly been one of my favorite genres of games, because mm. it was very early in that. Um, even if I think it lacks some of the speed and thrills of later versions of the, those games. But I'm really glad that I've got to sort of explore it more and not write it off like I did before, because it is cool to see, oh, basically Enter the Gungeon, one of my favorite games ever, is really just a reskin of this game. Mm. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm really not even familiar with Enter the Gungeon at all. Like, what's the... I'm just curious what the story of that is. I, I um, assume it's not a naked a, little boy. You're a crying <laughs> naked baby with a gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, That's you're, the touch point of the genre. Is every yeah, exactly. The it all starts to have with their quiet baby. naked babies. That's Yeah, what is yeah. Hades but a crying naked baby of uh, Hades? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, enter the gungeon. You're like these uh, disgraced adventurers slash gunslingers who um, need to enter this dungeon to find the bullet that will kill the past. So they can travel <laughs> into the past and change whatever mistake they made in their past life. Um, but it is a very similar structure of this as you mm. just sort of go down each floor and there's sort of a general addition of endings to the game that you have to sort of get more and more obscure um, item combinations to achieve as you go down. Yeah, and I mean, you've put a lot of hours into Gungeon as well, right? Nah, not that many. Oh, okay. Oh, um, I'm bad at Gungeon. Yeah, also, I'm like, because I think what put me off Gungeon was like the bullet hell aspect that, like, once mm -hmm. I got to third floor, it was just overwhelming. Like, at least sure. with Isaac, like, you don't always land on the right combination, but I feel like, I, I don't know, that um, there's more chances of yeah. uh, those. Uh, harder floors being a lot less overwhelming. Yeah, well, in contrast to Isaac, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I would love to be wrong about this, uh, Gungeon, when you pick up a new gun, it doesn't really tell you what, like, how much damage it does. You kind of have to explore that a little bit. And my problem, correct. My problem correct. with that is, even if you're fighting the same enemy, like the standard bullet enemy, if it's on a lower floor, it has more health anyway, so you don't have a point of reference for how much damage you're doing. Um, in Isaac, you can hit the pause menu and see how much damage you're up to. It's not quite That's the same, true. but um, it, it's something that kind of turned me off guns. I'm like, well, is this gun better or is it just funnier? I don't know. I do remember one I mean, of my favorite runs in Gungeon, though, yeah. was like, I got the gun that uh, shoots guns that then shoots guns. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, some of them are hilarious, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, how much is this actually effective? Yeah. Sorry, Woody. Well, I was just... Um, that, that like most roguelikes, is just something you get to handle on as yeah. you play it more and more. And I think all good roguelikes become more fun. Like, the initial sort of... 10 minutes of the game you're just kind of baffled mm. and then they sort of click in maybe you know from hours 5 to 40 um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and I think that that's true of Gungeon as well I also one thing I do 
not to just turn this into a Gungeon podcast, mm-hmm. but I like in Gungeon that usually the items slash weapons do more intuitive things. Mm-hmm. Like in Isaac, one thing I'm not crazy about is even though they often don't explain what they do, they're often not an intuitive thing of what they no. do. Like, if you get cancer, it increases your rate of fire. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, why <laughs> Why does cancer do that? And there's sort of no way to just assume that. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, some of them are kind of esoteric, and it's like, there's some I still don't know. Like, I got a ball of Band-Aids, and I still don't know what they do. <laughs> They're just, like, adding passive effects to, like, my guy walking around, so I don't know. Uh, but I, I just really wasn't clear on that. Uh, but I mean, again, that's that's kind of part of the appeal for me as well. Mm. Like I like, I like that we're not being led by the hand. I yeah. like that we're being uh, tossed into this gross world and just being asked to figure it out. You know, and that, you know, as in life, you just get better at it as you go along mm-hmm. until eventually you hit a plateau and then you just start getting way worse at it. <laughs> that's where I'm at, uh, and uh, I'm just enjoying the downward slide. It's great. Well, just thinking and about one it. One more. In- Sorry, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just wondering if you guys have ever played the... I think that Rebirth have a, has a two-player co-op mode. Yeah, uh, when you is first that... got it, we p- tried playing two-player. It it's something weird. It doesn't quite work. Oh. Something, something is odd about it. I can't remember what it is, but something's... I can't remember how it works. But something was... Remember, it took us about five minutes to figure out even how to start it because it's not intuitively set up. Wow, I do not even remember that. I would have uh, tried to okay. dig into that if <laughs> I knew that. Sure. <laughs> and then I think it's like <laughs> if you're... Player two dies, the game keeps going. But if player one dies, it stops. So I kind of—it's oh. something that's not fully even. Mm. Kind of like Gungeon okay. mm. uh, two-player actually, where yeah. you just become the cultist and it's like, well, why can't I be a normal character? Oh, that's yeah. right. They—they yeah. they haven't quite cracked the code in very many two-player roguelikes. Mm. I think that Risk of Rain is the only one that has medium success doing it. Even sorry, what's that one? Mm. I'm not familiar with it. Um, it's a sort of two D uh, platformer. Uh, but you play as these different types. It kind of has like weird sort of ASCII early computer graphics. And it's just like you would stack all of this loot um, to sort of build around. And it had a weird mechanic where the longer you stayed in a level, the harder it got. Um, So it was sort of also about risk versus reward of trying to get enough items, but still Mm. moving through before your difficulty cranks up. It's very good. Uh, Not on Switch, I'm guessing? Uh, I don't know. I played it on PC. Yeah. Mm. Or the other thing I was going to say, yeah, in contrast to Isaac again bringing up Hades is that I feel like that game does do a very good job of explaining what each of these power-ups do, oh, and yeah. especially yeah. you know when you yeah. got the choice of 3 to do it, like gives you a lot of detail even though you wouldn't know exactly what they do, you know, once you've picked it you up and You still test them out, but I mean yeah. you you at least have some clue. Exactly. And yeah. also giving you like Okay, if you go through this door, this is the boon, uh, boon you can expect, and going through this door, you can get this one. It's like, yeah. okay, what do I want to go for? Health or coins or whatever? Go visit my old I mean, mate I Charon. do feel like yeah. Which again, Hades essentially exists as like the coalition of basically every good roguelike mm. choice that has been made over yeah. the last 10 years of people making roguelikes, and you're like, wow, everything about this game is smart and works very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my other hot take is that Hades, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a good game. Yeah. Well, I think that is all I've got on uh, Binding of Isaac. Does anybody have any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, just that I feel like it's the game for 2020 because you learn that you can defeat any problem by crying at it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a relief because uh, that's all I got. That's all I got at this point. 
No, um, uh, no, I really appreciate, yeah, the forum to talk about this game today mm-hmm. because, like, especially, like, for Ultra 64 and even upcoming your Wii U podcast, which I'm so excited for, uh, you're not going to really you. explore the roguelike genre in that. So, um, and Ed yeah. McMillan as well, who I think is a very interesting person to uh, dig into. And, um, yeah, and, yeah, it's wonderful to talk about all that today. Mm-hmm. I think this game did come out on Wii U, but it's a uh, really? di- it was a, dig- a digital download, not a uh, yeah, yeah. I think we were going to stick with the physical uh, releases on that one. Well, thank you guys so so much, not only for for being here today, but for being patrons. We so appreciate it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what else you're working on and where people can find you? All right, yeah. Um... Yeah, we, uh, I host The Simpsons Index with BT Calloway, mm-hmm. and we're going through The Simpsons three episodes at a time, and each episode comes from a different decade. So we like to really compare the old and the new eras of the show, and yeah, Stephen Woody have been on a couple of times mm-hmm. before. We talked about the Bone Storm yeah. episode. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah, and I host Thrones of Game with Elliot J O'Neill. It's a we're Game of Thrones podcast where we're reviewing the entire series backwards. I've already seen the entire show, but Elliot had not seen a single episode until we started watching in reverse order. So it's just a unique perspective. We can really actually tell where Game of Thrones went wrong. Now it's not where you think, mm. and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'm really curious, Elliot, are you going to rewatch the show in like regular order when you're done? Honestly, I'm tempted to because. Um, there have been a lot of times where I'm like, I can't believe like it took them so many seasons to pay off some storylines. So mm-hmm. I am curious to do that. But yeah, I've still got like two and a half seasons left to go in reverse yeah. order. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, also our brand new podcast, we've got a scripted fiction podcast called Pop Fury Radio. Yeah, this is where we've taken uh, basically radio plays and gotten uh, old pop genres like horror, fantasy, mystery, and noir, and just gotten actors in, sound effects. It's completely original stories written by me and directed and produced by Elliot and myself. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And if you like, just want something a bit different, you like some fiction in your podcasting rather than just listening to nerdy guys talk about movies and TV, then uh, this might be worth checking out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also listen to those nerdy guys talk about uh, video games and TV. Download all oh, our things. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so, so much for being here. Thank you for being patrons. If uh, any of you want to hear yourselves on this show talking about a game of your choice, we still have slots open over at Ultra64Pod at Patreon.com. So please check those out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back with <clears throat> with a, a regular N64 episode this weekend. And uh, cry, 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 poop, poop, poop. That's, <laughs> that's the, uh, the the slogan that they put on Binding of Isaac. There it is. I'm, I'm recapping it. I don't know. I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. Just cry, 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 poop, poop, poop. <laughs> God? <Yeah. laughs> Night, everybody. Night, everybody.